What's going on, everybody? Happy Friday and a happy, happy new year. Welcome to the Just Effort Podcast. I'm Angelo. I'm your host. And I'm very excited to bring you today's episode because it's going to be featuring one of my good friends, my RSA brother, Mr. Tony Watley, aka at 365Driven or aka the Side Hustle Millionaire. This guy is doing everything from podcasting to speaking to writing books to coaching to mentoring to business consulting what i really love about tony and what you'll notice on this episode is that he is unapologetically himself we need more people like that he is so certain about who he is what he does and what he really represents and stands for that he's not afraid to step on people's toes not to be rude but because he has complete certainty in his beliefs and i really admire that about him you'll you'll notice that right off the bat tony is a straight shooter and for and <laughs> to be honest i was always I, was, I wasn't sure when I wanted to interview Tony. I knew I wanted to have him on the podcast. I definitely knew that. I just wasn't sure when. And what better time than to start the year? From someone who's been there and done that, who's designed websites for cars, to you know, done an online e-commerce business, to speaking on some of the largest stages with Ed Milet and Andy Versella and a lot of these heavy hitting guys. Tony's been there and, and he's done that. And I'm super excited to have him on the show and have him speak to you guys so you can hear his story firsthand. He's running an awesome podcast with 365 Driven, but you guys are really going to hear more about him rather than him interviewing other people. If you guys follow him, if you guys follow him on social media, you already know what I'm talking about. But if you don't, make sure you go check out the show notes. Check him out at, at 365 Driven. All right. So, guys. Listen up. This is one of our longest episodes, but it is definitely one of the most value-filled, most emotionally driven and charged up episodes. If you guys are sensitive, you guys probably wouldn't be here because we cuss all the time. This is going to be no different. This is a great episode. Tony, thank you for being on the show, brother. I'm excited for to share this with the world. Happy New Year. Have a great Friday. I'll see you guys next week. Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me to your show, Angelo. We've been friends for a couple of years now, and we've got to meet in person a few times. And man, you bring a lot of energy to this world. And I know that you've had some dark times, but you know what? You always bounce back from that. I just want to acknowledge you for that. You're always the one that has the smile. And I can tell that even there's times when you don't feel like you're motivated yourself, you're always willing to help motivate other people. But I also think that's a way that you start to empower yourself at the same time by giving back. Right. So it's a, it's a, it takes a lot of heart to become a police officer and do these kind of things that you did. It's that's, that shows a testament to your character. So I'm honored to be on the show, man. I'm honored to call you a friend. And you know, the thing is that, you know, for me, for the people that don't know me, yeah, I guess nowadays people call me the side hustle millionaire. Yeah. That, is, that is the title of the book that I wrote. It came out in May of last year and, you know, became a number one bestseller in the business category. And I get it. There's a lot of bestsellers out there with some bogus categories, but guys, Mike, <laughs> My book was beating like Gary Vee and Simon Sinek and all these big name authors for a while. So that it was a legit category and I'm proud of that, you know, so I get that there's some fake titles out there and not all of them are equal. So if you're listening to this and you hear like Amazon number one bestseller and you're rolling your eyes, like go ahead, brother, because I sold thousands of copies and I've impacted a lot of people. So now they introduced oh, yeah. me as that title because it was a, it's a true story. You know, I owned several businesses in the performance automotive category going back to 2001. And I still own a business in the automotive category selling high, high end forged wheels, you know, average price around 4,600, $5,000 a sale. So, you know, when you start to make margins on that kind of thing, if you're going to sell something, sell something expensive, don't sell cheap stuff because then you can sell a lot more of it to make the same amount of money. So I always focused on things like that and how to make money without a time factor. I like to make money without, having a clock in anywhere or just charging by the hour. I just, that was the mindset I carried into adulthood. That was what I learned from my blue collar parents. And it didn't serve me very well when I hit around late twenties, when I was working three jobs because I didn't have the lifestyle that I wanted. That was what I was willing to do is go get three jobs and just put the hours in, just work, work, work. 
picking up extra shifts, getting overtime, whatever I could. It didn't serve me very well. So I started figuring out how do I make companies? How do I do something that I can get paid while I'm asleep? How do I get make money while I go on vacation or whatever? I just didn't want to like be unplugged from income. So I created companies that were based online, internet-based companies, because I didn't want a zip code. I didn't want a proximity. I didn't want to have to show up. I just wanted money to come in once I set the things up to establish those things. So I built an online community called ls1tech.com. It was the largest, it grew into the largest General Motors performance car community on the internet, it had over 300,000 registered members. And for those perspective, this was the early 2000s. We didn't have social media at the time. We grew this oh. thing organically and by doing giveaways and all kinds of things, just involving sponsors and live events and racing series and car shows. And we just built the community around the country. Even in your town, Chicago, we had an event, Angelo. So we just built the micro communities around the country to really feed back into the main website. And that's how we did it over the course of five years before I sold that multiple seven figure exit. And that's after it earned millions of dollars in profit along the way. So that started some other companies in space. But the thing is, is I, I always this, this decided that, you know, that I didn't want to be where I had to show up and trade my hours for dollars anymore. That's a really limited mindset. It doesn't scale very well. There's different ways to do that, especially online. I don't believe that Here's the thing, like there's a lot of millionaire business coaches out there. We hear, we see it all the time, like oh, I'm a millionaire and teaching you how to do business. But people are always like, well, what makes you different? You know, Tony, what makes you different? Why would I hire you as a business coach? It's like, well, I don't know, man. I, I made millions of dollars with a part-time business and zero employees. I guess I know something about scaling a little bit. What do you think? You know, efficiency. It's like, if you want to go learn how to make millions of dollars from somebody that had to have a hundred employees to do that, that's a different path. You'll get to the same goal, but which would you rather have? Zero time invested and zero employees. I think I'd like, I like my odds better. Just be honest, you know? So yeah. that's what makes me different. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Oh man. Starting off with that fire. I love it. So let's, let's go back there a little bit. So you did your, you did LS one tech on the side while you're working your full-time job, which was oil and gas. I was project management. I've got a mechanical engineering degree and I've worked in oil and gas since I was 18 and I basically left the corporate world about three years ago. Just three years ago. Yeah. When I get started with 365 driven, I said, I'm going to go all in. And I just basically decided to quit looking for jobs and I was going to go do the thing that I wanted to do. Wow. So if, if okay. <laughs> now my mind is like, okay, where can we, there's so many questions I want to go with this, but I want to focus back on, so you're working, um, in the oil and gas, correct? Mm -hmm. And you're doing this side hustle thing on the internet, early 2000, which, you know, if internet wasn't as prominent as it is today. Social media wasn't as prominent as it is today. You're killing it on the online space. You're working a full-time job. You got a wife and kids. How many kids? One kid. One He's kid. almost 20. He's almost 20. Wow. So at that time, if you can, if you can kind of give someone like a, a quick, snapshot of what the day looks like for you. How do you do all that in 24 hours? Man, I'll tell you that that's one of the main excuses that I have for people that come to me that want to work with me or read something or want to start a business. And if you're listening to this, like well, the number one excuse is I don't have time. Mm. And I just laugh at people that say that because we all have the same 24 hours in a day. And we just we're as an entrepreneur, we figure things out like, like challenges are not an excuse. We just figure out how to get around those or how to accomplish things. So I want to take you back to the year 2000 to give you an idea of when I started my first business. So 2000, I was about $40,000 in debt because there was an oil downturn. I'd only been out of college for two years and I didn't have enough experience to go find another job. So basically nobody was hiring and I had to live off of credit cards for about six months while I was looking for a job. And I had a pregnant girlfriend at the time. So 2000 in January and my son was born, I had a newborn son the oil industry started to make a little bit of a turn back. So I finally got another low paying entry level engineering job, probably making 40 grand a year. And then I would go work in the restaurants seven days a week at the night times to try to get out of that debt hole. And her and I didn't have a really good relationship. We ended up splitting about eight months later into that. But the thing is that I had a newborn, I had three jobs. I was depressed because I felt like my life was spiraling out of control because of all these different things, these adversity challenges that I was in debt. And, terrible relationship, unplanned pregnancy. I had a lot of things going on on my plate, but I decided I was going to start a first, my first business. And that's when I started. It was in 2001. So 
Mm. I, during that entire time, I said, I can't be killing myself working three jobs for the rest of my life to get out of this debt and this, this misery and this depression. So what do I need to do? I needed to create a outlet. So I started teaching myself how to do graphic design, started teaching myself how to code and build websites. And so that was my first hustle was just building websites for small businesses around the Houston area because there was literally hundreds of businesses that weren't online yet. So I could figure out how to do that. It was real simple HTML, like nothing fancy like today's web pages, but that's how I got them online. I got them on their first presence. And then that led into me building some for performance shops around the town. And people started to know that, Hey, I was a guy that could build websites and I would charge like, three or 400 bucks to build these one page websites. And I was part of an online community that was already existing ls1.com. And people knew that I was building websites for cars and people wanted a website for their car and things like this. And I was like, okay, I can do that. And so a partner of mine, I see in Chicago, he reached out and said, Hey, why don't we build another online community? You know how to build websites and I'm a good sales guy. I'm a recruiter. I can go get advertisers and stuff like that. So can you do the tech side of that? And it's like, yeah, man, I can, I can set up the server and I can do the software and I can create the graphics and all that. I can do all that. I didn't want to be the sales guy, right? I had a full-time <laughs> job. I didn't want to talk. I still hate talking on the phone. So that's what happened is we just started that company in 2001. So I really illustrate that because a lot of people make a bunch of excuses for like not having time. Like, dude, I literally had no fucking time and I still started the company that earned millions of dollars. Wow. Do you think you kind of, do you think you had that entrepreneur mindset? Like a lot of people would stop there, right? They would stop like, oh, I don't know how to code. I don't know HTML. I don't know how to do all this stuff. Uh, whatever, right? Like it's not for me, but you went and learned it. Like it's not, yeah. a, it, it definitely probably wasn't as easy as today where you can easily just Google and go on YouTube and they'll tell you tutorial after tutorial, how to do it. I had to buy books, man. I had to go to the bookstore and buy books and then read a page. They would teach you something. I would practice it on my own little web page and then I would build it and then I would go to the next page and Basically, I just taught myself how to build websites. I taught myself Photoshop. I taught myself mm. professional level photography. I was featured in several magazines by doing a bunch of photo shoots and automotive magazines. So anything I get into, I really just go into high level of detail. And that's just who I've always been. Anytime I've gotten into something, it's, it's a competitive nature that I carry always. But it's always a way, if I like to do something and I can monetize that, why not try to do both? Like, why not try to like just become good at it and monetize it? And then make it a business, perhaps, you know, that's, that's the thing most people give up is they think like, I don't have that skill. So like you said, I'm going to go do something else. But the thing is, all you need is an interest. And then that becomes the skill, because if you have an interest in something, then you're going to be more interested in learning about it, applying that knowledge, getting the results, and then learning how to monetize that. I see a lot of people trying to monetize things before they've actually had any results. And that's another, you know, big negative, like who wants to hire you if you've never proven something. So even with the public speaking, the, all these things that I do, these are skills. This is not some talent that I was born with. Getting on a microphone like this is not a talent, how you hear me speaking. It's a skill that I had to learn over the last two years by just putting in the repetitions, joining Toastmasters, getting more comfortable with your voice, learning how to speak with conviction and emotion and putting the effort to a stage, learning stage presence, eye contact, all these motions that you see me on a stage now, that is not something that I was born with. It took a lot of practice. It took coaches. It took dozens and dozens of speeches it took hundreds of videos social media videos to get to the level that i have so it wasn't an interest but it became a passion which now actually creates income all right let me let me let me gather myself for a second here so i can ask this and that sounds stupid why speaking you you, you initially said that you didn't like talking to people you didn't like going on the phone you didn't want to do sales how do you go from that to getting on stage? I mean, you shared the stage with some heavy hitters at my lead, Andy Frisella. You've been on those big boy stages that people are like, that is badass. You know, and every time you're on stage and I'm there too, I'm like, yeah, that's my friend, y'all. That's my friend. <laughs> how, how do you go from that? I think it was a indirect discovery. I had really no plans on standing on big stages. I'll tell you that I wanted to make videos. I wanted to teach people. Here's, here's the driver for the speaking. I, I wanted to write the book. First of all, there's always a sequence. So I noted that there's a backstory on why I have the purpose I do. We can get into that in a minute, but I'll answer your question first. So the, the thing is that 
I've had this book in my mind to help people start businesses probably for the last five, six years in my head. And everybody was always coming to me for advice. How do you start a business? What do you do here? What would you pick here? LLC, S Corp, how did you do this? How did you build a website? So I've always always been the center of the hub for the people in my proximity to be able to go do that. And that's a good indicator for anyone that's listening to this. If there's always people coming to you for specific advice in some niche, and it's not really your business, you should pay attention to that. That's an indicator. That means that they see you or they perceive you as some kind of an expert or someone with results in that, that field. So maybe you need to awaken and go, Hey, maybe I need to start a business in this. Maybe there's a reason people keep coming for me, you know, to me for advice. So that's what it was. It was for business. I said, man, I've only helped my closest friends build businesses. I've helped friends build seven and eight figure businesses. I've helped at least 12 people that I know that were actually staff on my website back then. I've helped 12 people build multi-million dollar companies, became multi-millionaires themselves. So when you hear people talking about, I've built millionaires, like, no, I have. And they'll tell you that I have because they actually started as working for me. And I teach them these business principles and encourage them to start their company. And like, boom, like 10 years later, like they're making you know, bank. Some of them are making way more money than me right now. That's awesome. I love that. But the thing is, is I needed to write this book because me scaling my message one-on-one, as much as I love doing the one-on-one coaching, doesn't really scale. So I said, okay, I'm going to write this book that's going to be very affordable, $15 book that's going to be able to reach thousands of people. And that's what I did. So I wrote the book and I said about at the beginning of the book, it's like, wow, you know, I think this book's going to be pretty good. So what if it launches and people want to interview me? What if people wanted me to come on TV or come on the radio? It's like, shit, like I'm terrible at public speaking. I need to go invest in those skills too. So I actually joined Toastmasters while I was writing the book. And it was the purpose was to be able to market the book whenever it came out to be able to have the confidence and be able to speak to market my book and also go on podcast or be on stage or be on radio and TV. And all those have happened. All of those have happened exactly the way I thought it would. But had I not been prepared, I would have been this boring ass dead fish, you know, guest that would have said, um, um, and, uh, um, uh, and, you know, uh, and, uh, and like just been really distracted from my message and really impacting people. So I need to go get my voice. So it was never intending to go on stage, but here's the thing is I joined Toastmasters and I sucked at first, just like everybody that kind of joined something new or doing videos. The first video sucked. That's, that's why I joined because I need to fix that. As I, I was about six months into it, I started to see this proficiency. I started to get better at it. I was learning really fast because I would do videos every single day on social media in between those weekly meetings to, to practice the things that I learned. If I talked about, today we're going to learn how to use vocal variety and really get into the voices and take the range higher and lower and volume and these things like you hear me speaking. I wasn't like that when I first started, but I was learning about that. So I'd make videos to practice that. And as I made videos, I got more comfortable with that range. I got more comfortable with that voice control, that authority. And I would just make more videos to reinforce the things I was learning. And then I'd go back to Toastmasters the next week and then they'd teach me something else. And I would go make videos to, if that was eye contact, I would make eye contact with the camera on the phone or the camera lens to simulate eye contact. And I would just take the same principles I learned in Toastmasters and apply them to videos because it's still public speaking. And then I started to get better and better. And then the group that I was in, they said, hey, you know what? The, sp- the spring contest for Toastmasters is coming up. You should go represent our club and compete in that. And at first I thought, you guys are fucking with me. Like, there's no <laughs> way in hell, like, I'm going to go compete in public speaking. Are you crazy? Like, most people, like, fear public speaking more than death itself. And that was me. Yeah. Like, that's, like, I've been daredevil, dude. I was never afraid of dying. But public speaking, fuck. That was, like, the thing that scared me the most. And then they want you to go be compared and like be judged, like literally judged with people sitting in the back of the room with clipboards and, and check boxes. It's like, <laughs> you want to go be judged and criticized at public speaking. And I was like, you guys are fucking with me. And they're like, no, like, like, I think you'll do well. Like you're doing well. And I'm like, so you guys aren't fucking with me. Okay. So I'll, I'll sign up because I like to be dared like that. Again, daredevil, adrenaline junkie type person. Got and it. so I joined and I won the club level. And then the next month I went to like the, the kind of like for non-Toastmaster, I'd say the county area. And then it was against maybe 10 other clubs. And then I won that one. And then I went to the North Houston one. That's like half of Houston, millions of people. And I got fourth place in Houston, like on the North side. So think about that as I I won like 
these events. And I was like, holy shit, maybe there's something to this. <laughs> so then, and only then, I was like, okay, I've done a lot of videos. I'm going to go try to do a stage event. And then I started getting invited by my speaker friends on Facebook and Instagram. Hey, come do this event. And I was like, okay, I've got the skills. I speak in front of Toastmasters Club every week and I do videos every day. So it's the same thing. And it literally is the same thing. The skills, the thing is, is that most people are afraid of public speaking because they haven't developed the skills yet. So they're really worried about, they're hypercritical of themselves. They're, they're worried about how people are going to perceive them visibly. They're going to worry about how people hear them or they don't like the sound of their recorded voice. They don't like, they're just criticizing themselves when they take a stage or they fire up the camera. That's the insecurities that keep people from achieving the things that they really want to do. So when you start to gain the skills, the voice control, the stage presence, the eye contact, the just, just all these skills, these are things that you learn when you have the skills and they become second nature because you've done them so many times. What it does is it frees you from that criticism because now you can focus on your message. Mm. So when you want to get on the camera, if you want to get on a stage and you've got the skill set or even this microphone, you can focus on the message rather than your appearance or worrying about like your fear of physiological, these, these reactions like, you know, sweating and getting hot and like embarrassment, all these things are, they're legit. You'll feel those until you start to get the skills. And when they have the skills, you gain the confidence. Then when you have the confidence, you're able to go rock the stage, rock the microphone, rock the camera, whatever your choice is. And then you can focus on the message. So at the beginning of public speaking, it's very difficult because we're trying to focus on the message. But we're also trying to focus on the mechanics. We're trying to focus on the skills because we haven't learned them. It's like, it's like the baby, you know, deer, like wobbling around, you got the wobbly legs. But once you start to solidify those things by repetitions, just like at the gym, repetitions make you stronger. You don't really worry about that kind of stuff. Like your hand motions, your eye contact, the stage presence, the using the full width of the stage instead of just being nervous energy and like, you know, standing in one spot and those kind of things. Like I can spot, now that I coach people and I became the president of that Toastmasters club over the last year now. So I coach people to become better speakers now. So it's kind of how it shifted. But the thing is now as a speaker with experience and that coaches people on the strategies and tactics, I can go watch events now objectively and see like that person has never invested a single a minute of their time in, in themselves to become a speaker. It's kind of an insult to the audience, to be honest. That's how my, my perception of that, like if you're going to go stand in front of people, most people fail because they believe that public speaking is the occasional courage just to be able to stand in front of people and speak. But guess what guys, there's millions of people that have the occasional courage to go stand in front of people and speak. That's not it's public speaking. They wrongly assume that's public speaking, but they get up there and they mumble and they, 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 they don't speak clarity. They don't have passion in their voice. They don't have energy. They're pacing back and forth hundred miles per hour. They got nervous energy and they're not making any eye contact and not building any connection with the audience. Like these are all skills that you have to learn. So when you see someone that gets on a stage, like an Ed Milet, dude, like that guy's well-crafted. He's put a lot of time, a lot of practice into being that level. It's not some natural ability. He'll even tell you himself, like, that's not a natural ability. It's a skill. You go learn it just like anything. If you wanted to go learn another language, that's a skill. If you want to learn the language of public speaking, that's a skill, man. So I didn't expect it to take off like it did, but this is how it turned out. Wow. And you had mentioned earlier, like, you know, just with public speaking, it's the fear of being judged, the fear of people looking at us and like, oh my God, what the heck is he doing? Right. And I really love how you have evolved from that thinking to now i mean if, if if people don't follow you on social media they definitely should because you put out a ton of content and a ton of great value on there one of the things i admire about you the most is you are real you tell it how it is and whether people agree or disagree you're just kind of like hey that's cool but this is what i believe you have that certainty within yourself so how do you how do you go from and I guess, I guess you kind of answered it with the skills, the confidence, and then you get to narrow down your message. But it... I get what you're saying. It's how, how do I go from maybe not having that to having that? Yeah, and yeah. It's, yeah, it's a to... long journey. It's a long journey, but it's, it's rooted in results. That's what most people don't realize. Like you can't fake confidence. You could, but most people can see right through it. We can see the bullshit. And 
I think that you have to have the results in anything. I'm not just talking about financial results. Whatever your results are, however you, however you define your own version of success, the thing is when you start to have critics or haters or naysayers and things like that up here, really just look back on your own results. Go, did I accomplish the things? And, and you know what? Make a list. I call it a victory log. Put it in your phone. Use, use like Evernote or some kind of app that keeps notes. Create a victory log. And I want you to like do this like chronologically, like you can even go back to childhood. Like what are the things that you accomplished that made you feel a sense of pride or accomplishment? And, and whether that was winning that contest or winning that race or winning this award or, you know, what are the, started your first company, had a child, you know, things that you can look back on. And when you see one sentence that makes you smile or makes you have some kind of a great memory in that moment, a lot of times you can do time travel and just kind of put yourself in that moment. But when you start to build this list through the course of your life, because this is an ever, ever long list, it's just always adding to it. Whenever you're having that sense of a feeling of, you know, just self doubt or, or lack or feeling like that you're not worthy, or maybe you're feeling imposter syndrome, whip out your phone, look at that victory log, study it. And I go, man, I've, I've accomplished a lot of shit. I've gone through some major adversities. I've survived every fucking thing that I've ever been, that's ever been thrown at me. The problems that I'm facing today are bullshit compared to the sums, some of the things I did 10 years ago. So you start to put things in perspective really quickly when you scan your list. And then, then you just look at your objective that you got to go crush today and you go, fuck, this is easy. Like, I'm going to go do this. And when people want to make comments and, and like, they don't know your story, they don't know where you've been, like they don't have any context of the things that you've achieved. So they're only seeing things in the present time. Well, you know what, if you don't agree with what they're saying, you know, fuck off. Like they don't, they don't matter. They won't, they weren't there at the beginning of your victory log. They're, they're not, they're only here they're at the finish line, you know? So like, you're still growing this thing. So being, being polarizing and being true to yourself is important. And I think this is a message that especially people getting into entrepreneurship or people that are just stepping onto their first videos or first stages they try to please everybody. The thing is, is when we become educators, when we have the mentorship gene within us, we want to like help people. By nature, we're also people pleasers because we like to help people. Like you're never gonna meet some fucking asshole that likes to help people. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't, it's not congruent. So the fact that you want to help people and challenge people and make people better, or educate people, like you have that in your heart. But the thing is that also makes you a people pleaser. So you try to make everybody happy. You try to make everybody like you because you want to be liked. That's not going to grow your legit audience. The thing is, is that there's people out there willing to be themselves. And I'm not saying to go be Andy Frazella or me or Ed Milet. You got to be the best version of yourself. But if you're trying to appeal to a broad audience, you're going to end up with no audience because everybody has a specific group of people that they can serve. And until you discover that by being yourself, literally being yourself, your thoughts, the way you speak, don't change things. And I'll tell you, like, people ask me sometimes, like, man, why do you, why do you cuss? Why do you say fuck? It's like, because that's how I think. That's, that's literally how I think. Like, I've been in the offshore industry for 25 years. Like, we use fuck every other word out there. Like, like, like I've toned it down a lot. But the thing is, I think that. So if I'm, if I'm answering you, Angela, and you answer your question, and my response in my head is like, what the fuck is this? And I go, what the hell is this? Is that, if that's what I say, what the hell is this? Like there, I'm diluting myself right away. Initially, that's like, that's not how I think. So why am I speaking that way? So if people want to challenge you, then they're not your audience, man. If they can't see the value in what you're doing, the way you like to communicate it, then they're, they're not your audience. That's the hard truth. So you don't need them. You need to speak your truth. You need to be yourself. You need to behave like yourself. You might be kind of a dick or whatever. Like that's just who you are, but you're going to attract the people that you're meant to serve when you become yourself. Quit trying to serve everybody. Quit trying to serve. You're going to, you're going to catch fringe people. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to have people that definitely come out of the woodworks to support you that you may not have expected because there's something about your message that resonates with them. But Quit trying to serve everybody. Focus on serving one person at a time and speaking to that one person that you're going to solve the problems for and your audience will grow and grow and grow from just that one message. Wow. That, that <clears throat> my next question to you follow up, following that up was, what, what would you say to the entrepreneur listening right now? 
And I know you kind of said, hey, stay true to your message, be who you are, you know, just change one person's life and just focus on that, which is, which is great. What would you say to someone just trying to start their business in the next, in the new year? I think a lot of people start businesses for, I don't want to say the wrong reason, but for maybe not the strongest reason. A lot of times it's just a financial decision. They, they want money and they think about, okay, how much money do I want to make? And these aren't bad goals. Don't, 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 don't get me wrong on this, but the thing is people start things with money in mind. And to me, money is one of the weakest purposes there ever was because money is a result. It's not, it's not the goal. It's a result. So a lot of people, here's a, here's the wrong way of entrepreneurship. They look at something and go, man, I want to make, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars a year, Angelo. That, that's what I want to make. And they, and they think about that and they fixate on that number regardless of what they do. So then they get sucked into a bunch of bullshit companies and ideas and multi-level marketings and just bullshit because they are so fixated on the number. So they go, Oh, I need to make a hundred thousand dollars. Well, so-and-so does this with this company selling this little thing that I don't even give a fuck about and I don't even use and I don't even like, but they're making a hundred thousand dollars. So I'm going to go sell my fucking soul to go sell that shit to make a number. So that's the wrong way that's fucked up entrepreneurship. And that's what a lot of people, especially on Facebook and Instagram calling themselves entrepreneur, dude, you're not, you're not selling anything that's yours. Like you don't even have your own brand. You're like just selling shit for other people. That's no different than a job that's self-employed. That's not entrepreneurship. So quit focusing on the money that you want to make. Focus on the purpose or the impact that you want to create. What do I want to do? Like, what do I get excited about? Do I have any hobbies or special knowledge or skill sets or something that I love to do? Like, can I, if I could get paid to do something every single day for the rest of my life, what would that be? If you kind of answer that question for yourself, and here's a shocker, you're not going to know all the time. You're going to evolve. When you're in your teens, your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, you're going to have different purposes. You're going to have different objectives. And that's okay. You're not going to have all the answers right now. But you got to think about what is it that excites me today? This ain't permanent. Don't think this is a permanent decision. What excites me today? That's cars, that's hunting, fishing, dancing, whatever the fuck it is. But what is it that excites you today? And then really think about that. What can I do to monetize something within that industry? Because here's the thing, when you have a strong purpose like that, maybe your purpose is just to impact millions of people. You know what? I didn't start out saying I wanted to impact millions of people. I started out saying I'm going to impact thousands of people. And that's okay. The thing is that you start to impact thousands and you go, well, fuck, I hit that goal. So I guess I'm going to start to impact millions of people. So don't think that you got to step into the big boy shoes and the big boy dreams right away. It's just not how it works. We evolve, we improve, we start to see bigger pictures, we gain more awareness, we start to see the inner workings of how everything kind of combines and like how it influences each other. So as you gain more wisdom, as you gain more experience, you just get a bigger picture of things. And, we, and it's so true. I mean, I'm 47 and I start to see things bigger and bigger and bigger every year. So don't think, don't be hard on yourself by comparing to somebody that's got a bigger vision than you, because that's not realistic for you. You need to get from there to where they're at, but those are baby steps. There's a lot of steps in between. So don't be hard on yourself when you don't have these grand divisions and thinking you're going to be Tony Robbins or whatever, standing on a stage. Like, could it happen? Absolutely. The potential's there for every single person listening to this, but that's not realistic at this moment. So let's focus on something that makes you excited, something that you have a lot of energy around and then be the best at that. And then you're going to start to see you're the best at that. It grows a little bit more. And now you go, hey, you know what? I've accomplished everything I wanted to do in this field. I'm going to go do that now. So it's okay to pivot. So quit thinking that every decision you make is final. It's not. We change over, over a period of our lives. I've been so many different things. I've had so many different labels over the last you know, 40 something years that that's normal. Pivoting is normal. And you know what? The internet based world, it's only going to become more normal. Like, the days of like just starting at a company and staying there for 20, 30 years, that's fucking bullshit nowadays. Like three years is like normal for a tenure at most companies. So why do you think it'll be different for entrepreneurship? Literally companies get bought, start, started, scaled and sold in like two years sometimes nowadays, especially on the online space. We've seen this with app developers making billions of dollars in like two years. Like why are you making these false constraints on time? There's that time and money bullshit thing. Like, if you can make millions of dollars in, in one year, why would you try to go do it in 10 years? Could it happen? Yeah, you may still get at the same goal in 10 years, but the thing is that's not like 
I have to do this for 10 years to get that goal. No, you don't. There's a lot of different ways to get to the same goal. So entrepreneurs, just think about that. Just think about what is it that makes me excited? What is my purpose right now? Go hard at that, man. Go hard at that now. Don't be afraid that it's going to pivot. You may have some more realizations, more knowledge, more experience later, and then pivot and do something else, but that's okay. It's acceptable. Don't be afraid of doing that. Don't be afraid of change because if you're just thinking that you're trying to identify and create your identity right now, especially in your 20s, like, man, spoiler alert, it's not going to work out for you like that. It just rarely works out for somebody to stay in the same identity for 20 years. And let's be honest, that'd be fucking boring if you were the same person 20 years from now. Yeah. Is there, is there a specific example in your life where you maybe have been going in one direction and then you made a pivot and you actually found where you were supposed to be? But obviously that where you were supposed to be wouldn't have been there if you hadn't gone through that initial point. Yeah, I'm going to search this thing real quick and I'm going to find this signature that I talked about. It's a funny one because it'll, it'll basically explain all the roles that I've identified with. Because that's, that's another thing is most people when you ask them what they, what they do or who, you know, what do you do? They basically associate with their job title. Mm -hmm. You know, most people like you ask them, Hey, so what do you do? Or who, you know, who are you? Who are you, Angelo? And they go, I'm a cop or I'm a fitness business owner supplement. You know, it's always like this job title. So I'm going to read this, this, this job title thing for me that I made this post back in October of 2018, but it got a good, a good amount of things because it's, perfectly on point with what we're talking about by changing and pivoting. So here's a post. We must improve or we stagnate. We evolve or we die while we're still living. Sincerely, burger flipper, waiter, student, laborer, welder, mechanic, pipe fitter, teacher, manager, engineer, supervisor, business owner, photographer, leader, author, business coach, public speaker, podcast host, Tony. Mm. that's a lot of titles that I've carried in my 47 years. And that kind of illustrates that I've always been the person to be the catalyst of change, to pivot, to go do something that I want to do. I've done all of those at a very high level. Like I didn't half-ass, like I'm not the jack of all trades, like half-assing my way through life. This isn't working out for me. So I'm just going to go do that. That's not what I'm trying to get at. Like I fucking excelled at every one of those things that I did. And then I went and did something else. So maybe a year from now, I won't be a public speaker. Maybe I'll be doing something else. And that's okay. Because that's where the excitement for me to come in is like, how do I learn new things? How do I gain more knowledge? How do I gain more experience, more wisdom? How do I become a better version of myself? So I'm always evolving. And that's a huge takeaway that I want to share with the listeners. This is like, you have to be willing to evolve. You have to be willing to change. And if here we are at the beginning of 2020 when this comes out. Be honest with yourself, man. Look at yourself and go, am I the same fucking person I was this time last year? Am I walking into 2020 with fucking New Year's resolutions that did not happen from my 2018 New Year's resolutions? That's the reality of most people, man. They carry fucking resolutions that they failed at from two years ago into the new year saying, well, this is the year. This is the year. Bullshit, guys. All you have to look back is your 2019 goals. Did you, did you accomplish all your goals? And the answer is probably fucking no. You probably quit in the first two months and then hope nobody said anything because you didn't have any accountability partners because that's another thing most people fail at. When people hustle hard in silence, let your actions speak for you. That is the biggest bunch of bullshit I've ever heard in my life. Hustle hard in silence, let your actions speak for you is for people who have accountability. The people that actually do the work. It's not for people who fucking need an escape door who can quit without other people seeing they quit and making comments on how they quit. So if you don't have accountability, if you don't have discipline, find some fucking accountability. And you know how do you do that? Go on social media, make a post. Hey, this year, I'm going to fucking lose 20 pounds and I'm going to go to the gym five days a week. I need you guys to hold me accountable. And if you see me slacking, call me a bitch. That's how you get accountability. Because you're going to have friends and be like, oh, fuck, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to hold you to this, man. Guess what? We're going to do this. And when you don't do that gym check-in, they're going to be like, hey, bitch, what's going on? That's what you need. So that hustle hard and silence shit, that only works if you're fucking driven and you have actual results. So I could do that. I do a lot of that. But that's still no fun. I'd rather call my shots, man. 
pool player, you know? That was another thing I didn't put on that signature. I was a competitive nine ball collegiate champion pool player. So that is how you do it. Like, call your shots, man. Like, this is what I'm gonna do. Here's what I'm gonna do. Here's how I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna show you how it's possible. When I wrote that book, I created a vision board. I started in January of 2018 when I started writing it, I created a vision board for my 365 group, and I put Amazon number one bestseller, The Gold Crest, right in the middle of that vision board before I even fucking started typing the book. I said, if I'm gonna write a book, it's gonna be a number one bestseller. Everybody's like, oh, you know, you got kind of an ego, you know, you know, only, you know, like 1% of books ever achieve that, you know, good luck with that. You know, I said, okay, so what I'm gonna go do is find people who have achieved that ask them how they did that, deconstruct their methodology and their process and their marketing plan and, and just work backwards from the same goal that they achieved. So why can't I go do that? So that's what I did. So I spent the next few weeks finding other people who have achieved that, asking them questions, hiring people who have achieved that for their clients. And then boom, guess what? The results happen. Damn. It, so is success really that easy? Like for it someone is. that that's been there, done that, is it, can it be summed up to that? Find someone who's been there, get some people who are going to keep you accountable, deconstruct it, make it fit to your mold, and rinse and repeat. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. It's the fundamentals. It's, and, and I'll tell you that my career and the things that I have, and I get it, I'm, I'm a little bit crazier than most people, and I'm driven, and I fucking just go do things. That's who I've always been, and I get that, but it's something that you could also learn. I don't want people to think that they, it's not possible. Because there was times, like I said, when, you know, early 99, 2000, when I was depressed, I didn't even fucking do shit. Like, and I'll tell you, like, even in between 35 and 40, I kind of got complacent. I had already made millions of dollars and I was kind of getting lazy and had a pretty comfortable life. And I just, I started to lose that hunger and I wasn't being creative and I just kind of was coasting. Again, that kind of shows you that even the people with that kind of a mindset or that discipline can fall off the wagon sometimes. So if that's you, just become aware of that. Hey, I fell off the fucking wagon. Like I need to fucking get back on. I need to steer this fucking wagon. Fuck that. I need to pull the fucking wagon. You know, I need to be putting the work in. So yeah, everybody can do this. You can deconstruct goals, man. And I think I benefit a lot from my project management background, corporate career. 20, last 20 years was project management. I was managing 200 to $500 million projects, international projects, a lot of moving parts million dollar a day burn rate. So high risk, high reward, oil and gas, offshore construction, you know, a lot of these different risks. And I, and I handle that kind of stress very well. But the thing is, is that with, think about this. We, we all listened to the MF CEO project before Andy closed that show. He named it project. There's a reason for that. Projects have a deliverable. Projects have a goal. So when I have a project from a client and they go, Hey, we want to have this infrastructure, we want to have this equipment, we want to have this output, we want to have it this date, we want to have it making this amount of money by this date, and we want to have, we have all these goals that are aligned with the, the finish line of a project. So as a project manager, I have to deconstruct that project down to manageable segments and manageable pieces and build the team around that to, to create that, manage the money along the entire process, but it's all based on the end goal. See what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So you work backwards and they go, oh, well, man, I don't know. That looks like an aggressive schedule. I don't know if we can get there in time with, you know, that goal. And you're like, okay, so how do we solve that problem? Well, we can hire twice as many more people or get a hundred million dollars more funding. Okay. So that's the, that's the answer, right? We want to get these goals. You want an expedited schedule. It looks aggressive. Well, we just manpower up or we add more money to the, you know, the mix. That's how we get to the same goal, right? Boom. So everything has a solution. Nothing's impossible. You just have to be realistic with yourself. If you go, hey, man, I want to make a million dollars in one year. Maybe that's not really realistic, but maybe it is. Maybe you can create the daily work schedule and the things, all the tasks and actions that you have to accomplish and the team that you have to build to accomplish that. So everything can be worked backwards from the goal. Mm. And how important is it to have a system for all that stuff? I think that the systems are important, but you won't always know that. And I don't want people to wait till they have a system to get started. That's a, a huge fail for most people because they think that they have to know everything to get started and they don't. You just have to know enough to get started. The thing is, is we learn as we go. 
the most successful entrepreneurs that I know didn't have shit figured out when they started. They didn't go, Hey, I got this million dollar plan and it's going to make millions of dollars and look, it made millions of dollars. Like it's bullshit. Like they just knew that they wanted something. They, most entrepreneurs want freedom. When I go make a poll, like, what is it that you think entrepreneur means? Like that's freedom. It's yeah. freedom, whether that's financial or from the constraints of their supervisor, asshole boss or corporate world, like whatever freedom is, that's what the world always comes back to is freedom. Mm-hmm. So, when you're starting a company, go, fuck, I just want to work my way towards freedom. Maybe I don't have that in my life. Maybe I feel like I'm in a shitty relationship or I'm just captive or just all these things. I'm just buried with crap. I just want some freedom. How do I do that? Like I need to go do something. I need to start something. That's how most people start. And then they kind of just work their way and they pivot and they change and they improve and then things figure out and they start to niche down and get their messaging on point. They get their branding on point. And then things start to pick up, they start to gain traction and then boom, success starts to happen. And they go, oh, shit, it all worked out just like Tony said. But the thing is that you don't have to know everything to get started. You just have to start, man. You just have to start. You just have to like just fucking just take that first step, start, go create the LLC, go create a fucking logo, Think, write your initial messaging, whatever it is, because it's going to evolve, dude. It's just going to evolve over time. Over the first one to two to three years, it's going to evolve over time. I think you can testify that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, before we even started recording, I was just telling you about, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, oh, how's, you know, everything going on in the fitness world? I'm like, well, we've actually evolved <laughs> to, to more of like finding the balance for people. And what does that mean? I mean, it, it's not just fitness. It's not just healthcare. There's, there's, I, I don't believe it needs to have a label right now. Yeah, you know, a lot of people are so caught up in is what's the label? What do you call that? What do you call it? It's because we put label on things because we are able to kind of com- compartmentalize them in our minds. We're, be- we're better able to understand it if there's a label on it. If I don't call you a coach or a teacher or a mentor and I don't know where you, where you are, I'm, all, I'm over here like, oh, I don't know. I feel uncomfortable. But the moment I can slap that label on you and call you this, oh, okay, got it. Right? I like that. That, that's a good, that's a good segue there because labels is, uh, here's the thing that most people don't realize. I think that people name their companies too early. And I like that you said that because you're aware of that. But I think that even with your, your fitness moniker in the name, it still limits you because what that does is it creates an artificial ceiling that doesn't need to exist. So for example, my brand's 365 driven. I could, I could be fucking selling shoes with that. Yeah. I, I mean, there's no false limit others other than it's, you know, a yearly daily driven or yearly driven or 365. Fuck, it could just mean I sell 365 tons of bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, there's no limit and that's purposeful because when I create names, I tried not anymore to like focus on niching myself down based on a name. Like if I would have just called my business Houston Entrepreneurs, fuck, like that's pretty limiting, man. Like why would someone in Angelo and in, in Chicago want to hire me fucking Houston entrepreneurs like to go do something like that's kind of dumb. So don't create business names that limit you for some reason. Like need some good examples, Apple, what the fuck they sell computers. They're not selling produce at the grocery store. They could end up selling cars, three piece suits, homes, all under the same name, Apple, Tesla, Tesla is based on a, a famous scientist name. He's selling cars, rocket ship, whatever the fuck. Like you could sell whatever you want on these names. They're not like, if it would have just been like Tesla cars only, you know, it's like, no, he, he builds like home gadgets and flamethrowers and all kinds of weird shit. So it's like <laughs> the name doesn't have to limit your product base because that's a good strategy to build because you can build the brand while you're still trying to figure things out. Just don't name it too niche down to something specific. Like just come up with a kind of a, a mantra is what I always tell people. Like if you're going to build, I like to build communities. That's like a superpower for me. Mm. So I build mantras. So had I named what I'm doing, Tony Watley, that's not a fucking mantra. Like if I would, like if I would have named myself, like this is the Tony Watley show and Tony Watley, Tony Watley. Like, first of all, that's very egotistical. And two, that's fucking stupid because nobody's going to wear a shirt that says I am Tony Watley. Cause, and if they would, that's, that's, fucking stupid let's be honest because I wouldn't even wear a shirt that says I am Tony Watley so if I wouldn't wear my own fucking shirt why would I get expect anybody else to wear my shirt with my face on it so think about that when you build a brand and you want to build a community build a mantra I am 365 driven we are arate I am first form those are mantras that are purposeful 
They did that on purpose because they wanted people to build a community around that brand so they feel like they're a part of that, so it's something that they resonate with. So if I meet someone and say, hey man, are you 365 driven? They may not even know what the brand is, but that sounds fucking cool, and they're like, yeah man, I'm 365 driven. Fuck yeah, I am. See what I mean? So build the mantras into your brand name, then I can go sell fucking shoes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's I love how you put it because that's what we did with modern fitness. I mean, there you go. When we met, I still owned the supplement company, Modern Nutrition, and then we rebranded into Modern Fitness. But now we've evolved into not we're not just in the fitness or healthcare industry. We're in like, we're, we're, we're working with people, man. That's what I tell people. Like, are you in fitness? Are you not? I'm, I'm working with people, man. Whatever, you know, that's what we yeah. do. So we created the, I am team effort, right? So the podcast called the just mm -hmm. effort podcast, faith, family, fitness, and freedom. And I know I've told you this story. The original, the original story of the whole effort was when my first call as a police officer we get there, guy with a gun at a grocery store, literally my first day on the job. I look at my partner. I'm like, damn, this shit's real. Like the guns and the bullets, the bad guys are real. Like we're not in training anymore. <laughs> we look at each other and we're just like, fuck it. Let's go. We got to go in there and handle business. And that's exactly what, what you had mentioned, creating that mantra for people to relate and repeat over and over and over is what it's about. You know, that's team right. effort, just fuck it, whatever, right? Like that's a, that's an awesome mantra, dude, because that's something someone would put on their shirt. Just effort. It could even be a kid sitting on the couch playing video games, just kind of has a authoritarian like issue, but he's gonna wear that shirt. Yeah. Just well, effort. Like someone could give that person a Christmas gift. Here's a shirt that says just effort. That kid'd be like, fuck yeah, I'll wear that. Okay. See what I mean? Exactly, exactly. Kids or adults, you know, and, and that's people right. relate with it because Everyone's and out, um, dude, there's so many things I want to ask you. <laughs> when was your just effort moment? Can you, if you could take a moment, think about what was the most significant, when was the most significant time in your life where you were just like, just fuck it, just, just do it and let's go? I've had many of those. <laughs> I'd say that those always tend to be the catalyst moments in your life to just yes. go do something more. And I, I think that. I don't change for the sake of change. I change for the sake of trying to improve or to explore. Mm. So to me, it's like things happen and you're like, I could either bitch about it or I could go do something about it. Mm. And I'll tell you that with the 365 driven, here's the backstory that most people don't really understand, but it was actually the, the speech I told you about going and competing in the speeches and, and Toastmasters competition. There was a speech I wrote about a car accident that I was in. I guess close to five years ago now. And the thing is, I'm a pretty good driver. I'm not just being egotistical. I've set a lot of records, drag strips, road course, things like that. So a lot of the manufacturers and performance shops are always throwing me the keys to their cars to go extract the best numbers out of them. So it's pretty common for the last 20 years for me to go drive other people's cars. And I was at the track and a shop was there and like, Hey, we got this Viper, you know, Vipers, like, can you go try to get the, the first, you know, set a national record. We're trying to do the first one of this. Like, cool. Cause that one was like slower than the one I drive. And it was a thousand horsepower. And basically I said, yeah, man, I can do that for you. Cause I knew the guys. So I went and uh, I made a pass. And then at the top of third gear around 130 miles per hour or something in the rear suspension broke cause it was still in factory style suspension. But what happens on a Viper is when the rear suspension breaks it's independent rear suspension. So there's no axle going across. It basically starts to, the, the wheel will turn basically like think about like pushing a shopping cart backwards. So that the rear wheel turned and it put me against the wall and I didn't know what happened. I thought maybe traction at that moment. So I started to slow down and I was angry with myself because I damaged someone else's car and it kind of got out of line and got on that wall and it was just kind of skimming the wall. And so I started to slow down, but when I came off that wall, what happened is that rear wheel kicked out again and, and turned. And so now I went hard left and I was in the right lane. It went hard left. Now I'm aiming at the left side wall at 130 miles per hour, like, like in the steering wheel still going straight, but I'm turning and I'm thinking, well, here I go. It's like, I thought I was going to die in that moment. I was very peaceful in that moment. That was really profound because I was very calm because moments before that the car started getting out of line and I felt a little bit of fear, but I've been in that situation so many times I can recover pretty well. And I thought I had, can regain control. So the little bit of fear 
against the wall and on the, on the right side, skimming the wall. Now it's replaced with anger because I damaged the car. I kind of felt like I let myself and the other team down. And now I come off the wall and I'm aiming at a wall at 130 miles per hour and, and quick calculations. I thought I was going to die. So I said, here I go. I muttered that to myself. I still remember like, well, here I go. And all the fear went away. All the anger went away. And I was just peaceful really peaceful, like just calm. Like there was no life flashing before my eyes and all that bullshit that we hear. I was just really calm and I was okay with like, this is how I'm going to die. And so impact of the wall and the, the, it was nighttime. The light, lights were flashing, the airbags deployed. All I could hear was screeching noises. You know, the car was like coming apart and the car still sliding for a long time. And I, and I realized I was still conscious. And I just remember like just focusing on just being conscious. I had my eyes shut. I could feel the car sliding. And I just remember like, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake. Cause I know from training that most people die from fire. It's not from the impact it's from the fire. I didn't know how the extent of my injuries or any of that. I just knew that I was awake and I didn't know if I was going to pass out. I just needed to focus on staying awake. So the car, the car finally comes to a rest and I couldn't get the door open cause that side had caved in. So I had to force the door open and I crawled out and the car was just fucked up by all recognition. I mean, the entire front of the car was caved in all the way to the firewall. There was wheels off the car. I mean, it was fucking destroyed and I was just calm and I was just calm. And I, and I remember hearing like the ambulance at the other end of the track and they hauling ass up there. And I hear my friends and I hear like people on four wheelers, like hauling ass up the track from the starting line, you know, shouting my name. Cause it was dark on that side of the track. So they didn't know like the extent it looked pretty bad. I guess I saw the videos and I was just standing there and I had my helmet off and I was looking at that wreckage and I was just really calm. And the paramedic thought maybe I was in shock and you know, she, put me in the back of the ambulance and she's, you know, had me take my shirt off and I started, you know, she started looking around on me and, and touching areas. And it's like, you feel any pain here? You feel any pain here? And there was no pain. I was really calm and she checked my vitals and she goes, I just want to tell you something. And the thing is, is I, I was like, what? And she goes, people wreck in here. People wreck at this track, like every, every race day. She goes, I've, you know, seen a lot of people in the back of this ambulance, much of them far worse than you. But she goes, your vitals, your heart rate is remarkably calm. Like, like you're in a major accident, adrenaline rush, and you're very calm. She goes, I just wanted to point that out. Like, you know, I've never seen that before. And so I was like, that is weird because I didn't feel scared or anything. I was just really focused. I was real, had real clarity of my mind. And I really, when I was thinking about people were asking me what I think about. So I was give, my friend gave me a ride home and he's talking to me and trying to keep me like, because I didn't know if I was going to black out or whatever. You don't know if you have any injuries. Right. Yeah. And I just remember getting home and it was late at night and I didn't even wake up my wife because I didn't want to like put her in a panic mode. She was already asleep. And I was like, I'm not going to do that to her. So like, I'll just go to bed. And I, and I got up in the morning and I get up early and I really started thinking about it. Angela, I was like, you know, what if, what if I would have died? And, and I know that you've been in that near death situation too. So you probably have the relatable here, but I was like, what if I would have died at the track last night? How would I have been remembered? And I really started to do some soul searching in that, in that day. And I just started thinking about that. And the, the best thing I could do is I could reflect on previous friends who had passed away motorcycles and racing scene. How were they remembered? How, what did people say about them? What did I say about those people? So-and-so was a nice guy, had a cool car. So-and-so was a really nice guy, gone too soon. So-and-so, man, I hate to see someone lose like that, you know, had nice cars. It was always very shallow, very superficial. And I get it. There's some dirt bags out there that would love to be fucking remembered by being a nice guy. But for those who are genuinely nice people, that that's part, that's like, okay, cool. Like that's part of the game, I guess. You know, that's, that's what we are. And, and what it really showed me is that, I'd achieved success. I'd help people on a small scale and that I was not making a big enough impact in this world. I basically was just doing things that people benefited around me. Like the people that knew me benefited from what I could do, but I wasn't making an impact. And what I really started to realize is that all these people that are coming to me for advice is like, how am I going to really impact this world? Like how can I impact the most amount of people in this world? And I started thinking about, I was like, what are the abilities or talents that I need to teach people? And for me, it's always been business and just confidence. Those are the two things I've always helped people with careers, business, confidence. It's like, okay, well, I got this fucking oil job. Like that's not aligned with that. I've got this automotive business that I've had 20 years. That's not aligned with that. Those are 
incomes, but those aren't aligned with my core values, what I, how I'm going to impact millions of people. So I said, I need to go do that. So that's when I wrote the book. That's when I decided that I needed to become the right person to be able to speak and share that message and, and carry the book. And that's what's led to 365 Driven. So people ask me why I do this is because I'm trying to impact millions of people the best way that I can. You know, there's two things that I have a lot of energy around and that's cars and business. Like I love fucking business. I can speak about business and entrepreneurship like for hours on end at a high level of energy. You can still hear the energy in this voice, but that's the thing. It's like, that's the things I have love for is cars and business. People already know about the car side of me. So I'm going to go focus on the business side of me, teach people how I got the cars. That's why I do what I do. So a lot of people do things that they're not aligned with. You know, I like fitness. I'm going to go, I'm going to go do them some deadlifts right if we get off this. I love fitness, but I'm not passionate about fitness. Like if you and I started talking about working out, it'd probably last about 10 minutes and I'd kind of be wanting to change the subject. So it kind of shows you that we can enjoy something. We can be good at something, but it doesn't mean that we have passion for that. So find those things that you're passionate about, the impact, the legacy that you're building, these big picture things, find the things that you really want to make some impact and then go do that because it's a whole lot different mindset than when you're doing things that you love versus things that you're good at. Mm. Mm-mm. Man, I wish someone told me that when I was younger. <laughs> That's why I do this, man. That's why I do this. Yeah. We've all settled. We've all done things that we just, people told us that we should be doing rather than what we should, we felt like we should be doing. Mm. That reminds me of times when, like, don't get me wrong, I loved what I was doing when I was a cop. There's a lot of great moments, a lot of great memories, built a lot of great friendships from it. But there were times where I would, in all honesty, I would question myself, am I, am I not doing enough? Can I do more with this? Because I always had that passion for personal development, for working one-on-one -on -one with people. I mean, there, there's some like hardcore gangbangers that I put in the back of my car and we would have like a little coaching session in between when, when I took them to the, uh, to put them in the back of my car to take them to jail. There were some times where we'd have some really like heartfelt moments. It was really crazy. Mm -hmm. people, like these hardcore gangbangers with tats all over their face and you know, they got like rap sheets like crazy. Mm -hmm. They would just open up and I just had like, like, damn. I, I, there were a few times in my career when I, when I was thinking, am I not using all the tools and all the skills that God's given me? You know, and, and now that we're doing what we're doing with modern fitness now, I feel, I feel aligned. I feel like I'm actually using my God given abilities to better the world, just like what you're saying. And I, it's a different, it's, you just operate differently. You know, when I, I kind of make the reference of it, when you're aligned with where God wants you to be, and you may or may not be a believer, whoever's listening to this right now, I obviously, I talk about it openly, but I feel like when you're aligned with where God wants you to be, you just operate with a different confidence. It's like the world can go to shit. Like the market could crash and you know, all these crazy things, but you are still okay. The critics can talk. The yes. naysayers can talk. Yes. Don't give a shit. Yeah. Don't give a shit. Cause I know that I'm out there making impact. I'm out there changing people's lives. Like the negativity and things like that. They're just distractions. Mm -hmm. You know, the negativity and the distractions and things like that come from people who aren't making an impact. Let's be honest. Yeah. They won't get it. They won't get it. The people that like criticize you and judge you for who you are. They're like, oh my gosh. Tony speaks his mind too much, or, you know, he says all this unnecessary, like he really pushes the buttons on a lot of people. They don't know. They probably have never heard that story of that car crash. They've probably never taken the time to look into why you do what you do. Mm -hmm. So their opinions don't really matter. They're not at the end of the day. And, and I've used this too. Is like, God forbid something happens to me. Are, are these people going to take care of my family? Are they going to support my family? Are they going to, you know, look out for my family, support my nephew? None. No. So why should I care what they think? 
Dude, this is such a great way to wrap up this podcast episode because this is what people need to hear for 2020. So many times, like, you guys are going to listen to this. It's 2020. It's a new year. It's new year, new me type shit. But you got to realize that will, that motivation is going to die off in the next few months, if not weeks. Like what Tony's saying, find your passion and just keep adapting to it. Like, right isn't that kind of what it is that's it and and your passion will change that's just be prepared for that and that's okay like you're not going to have all the answers when you get started that's that's normal so mm-hmm. quit comparing yourself quit comparing your chapter five versus someone's chapter 20 like just mm-hmm. start your chapter one you know and just grow it yeah it, it reminds me back when i was a kid like those books we'd had like the choose your own adventure books <laughs> <laughs> you basically every decision you make just leads you to more decisions. Most people think decisions are final and that's, that's where they get stalled. They don't make a decision. They become paralyzed because they reach a decision and they think that they have to commit to that forever. And it's just not true, man. Mm. So decide, operate, execute, see the results. And then you're going to find another decision along that route. And you're going to get to decide, is this where I'm going? Is this how it's going to improve? Is this how I'm going to pivot? So it's like decisions just lead to more decisions. They don't lead to like final, like, oh, I got to do this and I can't turn, I can't change back. I could always go get another job. I could do that. And, I, and if I had to do that, I would go do that because I'm the kind of person that does what it takes. I don't let my ego and pride dictate on what I will and will not do. So if I needed to do that, if I need to support the family, if something were to happen, I'm willing to go do that. Dude, I was a guy that was working three jobs. I had an engineering degree waiting tables at night after I got off my engineering job. You don't think I'm going to go do something that I need to do. That's where most people aren't willing to do what it takes. Mm. Tony, where, where can our followers find you? My website is 365driven.com. So 365driven.com. And if you're, since you're listening to a podcast, my podcast is called 365 driven and I'd love to hear from you. And, and uh, Angela is a great dude too. Go give him some five-star love on his show on iTunes and then come follow me. And if you got some comments, I'd love to hear from you. I appreciate that brother. And if you can take a moment, tell people a little bit about your book and how can they get that? The book is called side hustle millionaire. It's on Amazon. It's in paperback, hardcover, audible and digital. And basically it's how to take your business ideas that are rattling around inside your head and how to prioritize those to really focus on the one that's going to give you the best odds of success. And then I carry you through a step-by-step process on branding, marketing, positioning, LLC versus S-Corps, how to monetize those things. And I cover a lot about mindset. I try to really help you get over the bullshit excuses that are keeping you from doing what you need to do. So I've helped hundreds and hundreds of people now start their first businesses just by that book. So for 15 bucks, you can learn a lot of different things and go apply them and you'll see the results. Awesome. Awesome. Tony, I really appreciate you, brother. Thank you for taking the time to do this. This is so much fun. Like the whole time I'm listening, like all these questions, like, oh, I want to ask him this. I want to ask him that. And it just a lot of it you covered on your own, which is great. So my mind was constantly just trying to process everything. But this was such a great episode. I'm really excited for people to listen to this in the new year because we cover a lot in this hour hour 15 minutes that we're talking because this is going to be super beneficial for everyone starting their goals starting their businesses in 2020 and really taking their life to the next level that's right man well thank you for having me on the show dude i enjoyed this i appreciate you brother thank you